everyone, and welcome to the Daily Money Show. My name is Kent Brown, co-founder here at Granger & Brown. This is the Daily Money Show for Saturday, August 1st, 2020. Didn't get a show out to you yesterday, so here you go. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything to do with the world of money, but we educate you as well because finance, economics, investments can be extremely confusing and people just don't have time to figure those things out. That's where this show comes in. We take that confusing world, simplify it so that you feel more empowered because you become more knowledgeable. And with that knowledge, you can make better decisions with your money. Now, you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for The Daily Money Show. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, where most, most articles I talk about will be posted to those different pages. Just search for The Daily Money Show. And while you're there, like and follow us if you would. On today's episode, Apple and Amazon crushed it with earnings, also unemployment claims, ticking back up for the past couple of weeks, possible foreclosure crisis on the horizon as well. We'll talk about that. Let's jump into the markets real quick. The S&P 500 finished to 32.71 on the day. It is roughly 3% from its recent all-time high. It was positive 0.77% on the day. The Dow finished to 26,428, positive 0.44% on the day, down roughly 11% from its recent all-time high. And the NASDAQ finished to 10,745. It was positive 1.49% on the day. It's basically right there at its all-time high. The the all-time high is 10,767. So it's really close to its recent all-time high, uh, and it was positive yesterday. It had a good day yesterday. Apple uh, stock, which we'll talk about here in a second, uh, just crushed it. So Ab- Amazon and Apple crushed it. Facebook did well. Uh, Google, uh, eh, their stock was down, I believe, yesterday. Uh, I can double-check here real quick. I think it might have finished down. Let's see. Apple, Google was down 3.17% yesterday. So Google had a rough time. Facebook was positive 8.17%, a little over 8% yesterday. Microsoft, eh, up a half a percent roughly. But of the ones mentioned, Apple just crushed it yesterday, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. So uh, let's start with Amazon. Now, this is an article from Investors Business Daily. Uh, It's investors.com and the website. uh, It's from Thursday titled Amazon Quarterly Results smash estimates by big margin. Uh, This is from the article, Amazon reported second quarter results late Thursday that blew past Wall Street estimates as the pandemic continues to present the company both challenges as well as opportunities. Now, their stock finished up on the day roughly 3.7%, according to Yahoo Finance. Uh, Really strong quarter for Amazon, as you might imagine, people buying stuff online versus you know going to the stores, we're still dealing with this virus. But Apple is the one that just uh, crushed it as far as their stock is concerned. Uh, here's CNBC from Thursday titled, Apple Posts Blowout Third Quarter with Sales Up 11% Despite Coronavirus Disruptions. 
Now, Apple stock went supersonic yesterday. Uh, it was up almost 10.5% in a single day. 10.5% almost, uh, according to Yahoo Finance. Uh, Apple did finish uh, the most valuable company in the world. This is 9to5mac.com, uh, titled, uh, article titled, Apple Overtakes Saudi Aramco as world's most valuable company nearing nearing 2 trillion market cap. So huge day for Apple stock, uh, the NASDAQ close to its all-time high. But again, we still have 30 plus million people on some type of unemployment insurance, which in which program just got cut off as of yesterday. So that extra 600 bucks a week, that ended yesterday. Uh, we're going to see what Congress decides to do as far as extending it or, or as far as a new program, how much that's going to be per week. Again, the Democrats proposed 600 bucks per week uh, extended. The Republicans put, uh, proposed 200 bucks a week into October and a new program to replace uh, set roughly, I think it was 70% of wages lost. Um, so, my guess is they're going to extend or they're going to pass they're going something's going to get passed right as far as what program that looks like maybe between 2 to 600 bucks a week we'll see where they end up um, but we still have unemployment claims uh, that are happening week after week over a million we'll talk about that right now CNBC article from Thursday uh, remember every Thursday morning weekly jobless claims come out and this is from last Thursday, CNBC, titled U.S. Weekly Jobless Claims Rise for a Second Straight Week, Totaling 1.34 Million. So again, every week, new unemployment claims are reported. And at the beginning of the pandemic, March-April timeframe, we saw these massive unemployment claim numbers, just massive, right? And then each week after that, the number has been ticking down. So I think the Mac, I think the highest one we hit uh, in the 6 million range in one week, right? 6 million plus people or whatever it was uh, filed for an unemployment uh, claim that in that one week. But then the number has been ticking down and coming down ever since then. However, the past two weeks, that number has started to go up. All right. So when it says uh, claims rise for a second straight week, uh, that's what it's talking about is the past couple of weeks, it's been starting to rise. So now keep in mind for the last, uh, ever since the, the, the pandemic, the March, April timeframe, we've had over a million new unemployment claims each week for the past, this is the 19th week. So for 19 weeks, unemployment claims have been over a million now, remember, we talked about the previous record back in 1982, and that was roughly 695,000 in a week. So in one week. So for 19 weeks, we've had over a million claims each week, and the previous record, 1982, was 695,000. So we've got unemployment claims happening. We also have a potential... Uh, mass foreclosures coming. This is an article from World, oops, sorry, WorldPropertyJournal.com. This is an article from yesterday. 
and it's titled The Calm Before the Coming Coronavirus Foreclosure Storm in U.S. Now listen to this. Uh, Here's a little bit from the article. Based on Adam Data Solutions' mid-year 2020 U.S. foreclosure market report, there were a total of 165,530 U.S. properties with foreclosure filings, default notices, scheduled auctions, or bank repossessions. In the first six months of 2020, down, here it is, 44% from the same time period a year ago and down 54% from the same time period two years ago. So basically, the number of property, the foreclosure filings, default notices, scheduled auctions, bank repossessions, that number for the first six months of 2020, down 44% from last year, from 2019. And, you know, 2019, what, a normal economy? So it's down, and then two years ago, it's down 54%. So here's the idea. This is, or here's what's what's going on. This is Ohan... Uh, Antibian, I I probably butchered his name, sorry, general manager at Realty Track. Uh, Listen to what he says. Foreclosure starts and completions were already declining rapidly rapidly last year because the housing market and the economy were riding so high. Now they're down to low, excuse me, now they're down to lows not seen for at least 15 years as the federal government has banned lenders from pursuing most delinquent loans until at least the end of August 2020 to help those people weather the pandemic. Uh, Continuing, distressed property volume is almost guaranteed to increase significantly once the moratorium is lifted because millions of Americans missed their mortgage payments in June and will continue to because of unemployment. But for now, everything is on hold, and the foreclosure numbers reflect that pause. So there you go. Basically, the moratorium, the ban on on foreclosures until the end of August 2020, but we've got millions of Americans missed their mortgage payments in June, and and what he's saying is distressed property volume is almost guaranteed to increase significantly once that moratorium is lifted. Um, Now... As far as what's going to happen when banks start to foreclose on people, right? Like he just said, that that volume is almost guaranteed to increase significantly. So maybe the answer in this whole thing is that nobody knows how to get out of this mess. And that's this title of the article from wolfstreet.com from Thursday, July 30th. It's titled, Nobody Knows How to Ever Get Out of This Mess. Now, I'm going to read a little bit from this article and and listen what he has. He kind of sums up or talks about kicking the can down the road. And let me start here. But no one has yet figured out how to get out of this. The path in view is extend, or excuse me, the path in view is extend and pretend. These people don't have the money to catch up on the missed rental payments because they spent this money on other stuff. And there is a wave of evictions and court cases that loom. Unless extend and pretend further kicks the can down the road. But then landlords are truly toast. 
unless that can is kicked further down the road. For homeowners in forbearance, the missed mortgage payments can be added to the principal of the mortgage, which eats up equity in the home, but eventually the mortgage payments need to restart too, and if not, the mortgage will go into default unless that can is kicked further down the road. The mortgage-backed securities that rely on the cash flow from the mortgage payments are already quaking in their boots, and that is why the Fed stepped into the market so massively, trying to kick that can further down the road. And then he sums it up here with this, Never in my life have I imagined that I would see such a gigantic mess with so many bailout deals that cost trillions of dollars in so-called stimulus funding every few months to kick all those cans further down the road without any plan or idea how to ever catch up with all those missed payments and how to get out of it and what might happen to consumer spending if consumers are having to catch up with those missed payments and having to make current payments again. So that last part, did you catch that last part where he talks about what might happen to consumer spending when consumers have to catch up with those missed payments? Consumer consumption is roughly 70% of our economy. That is how our economy functions is people spending money, 70% roughly. How long can we kick the can down the road with government stimulus, right? We've got another, uh, the Republicans proposed uh, what, one trillion-ish, or maybe might have been over a trillion, or whatever the number was, around a trillion. The Democrats proposed, it was like th- roughly three trillion, and, and these are the two bills that are basically uh, on the table right now. Or I don't, I don't even know if the uh, Republicans proposed a bill or if they just put some guidelines or some numbers based on those guidelines, but, uh, but that's what we're looking at, and what might end up finally happening is a, a compromise between the Republicans and Democrats meeting somewhere maybe in the middle. So we might see a one and a half trillion dollar stimulus bill again on top of whatever else we spent last time. And so how long can we continue? How long can the government print out this money? I say print out this money, just basically whip out the the government credit card and here's a trillion and a half, and then two months down the road or three months down the road, you know, if things are still really bad, here's another trillion and a half. And then, you know, so how long can that happen for? So we've got Apple stock hitting all time high yesterday. We've got 30 plus million people on some type of unemployment, a potential flood of foreclosures. Once the foreclosure restrictions are lifted, Cans being kicked down the road, companies still announcing layoffs as we've gotten a million plus new unemployment claims each week for the last 19 weeks straight. And then we're going into the fall with this virus that is not under control at all. So buckle up because over the next year or so, this economy might get pretty rough. That's all we've got for today. Uh, Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. As always, remember, bad debt equals lots of regret. Bye now. All information and materials discussed on this podcast are for educational purposes only. 
Opinions expressed on this podcast are based on information considered reliable, but Granger and Brown cannot guarantee the accuracy of the information, nor should it be relied upon. The host is an active trader who may be invested in securities or investments discussed on this program in which he may take long or short positions. Also, the host's trading may be short-term in nature, and positions disclosed should not be taken as investment advice nor recommendation to buy or sell any securities or investments. The information discussed on this podcast should not be used as a recommendation to buy or sell any securities or investments or taken as investment advice. There could be real risk of loss by following any opinions or investment strategy discussed on this podcast as prices regarding securities or investments may rise or fall dramatically depending on the market environment. Current or past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments or securities discussed on this podcast may not be suitable for any individual's situation. Individuals should seek advice from a licensed investment professional or professionals regarding their own personal investment situation, time horizon, or needs. Returns and information in this podcast are estimates only and might not be exact. There are risks when investing in real estate, including liquidity risk, in which the sale of your real estate purchase could take a prolonged amount of time. Also, if you choose to sell your real estate purchase, you might have to sell it for less than what you originally paid. There are also risks and possible tax consequences associated with investing in real estate inside an IRA. Granger & Brown Investments is not a registered investment advisor or broker-dealer. Granger & Brown Investments is not an accounting firm and does not give tax advice regarding any security or any real estate transaction. You may want to consult with an accountant, attorney, real estate agent, or financial advisor before proceeding with any transaction regarding securities or real estate.